Welcome to Untold Stories of Perth. This episode features a woman in the late 1890s who started the much-needed transformation of the Perth Colonial Hospital from one of neglect and filth to becoming the type of hygienic environment we know today. I'm Iris Vardy and together with Ryan Sacknich of Two Feet and a Heartbeat, we will be exploring the much-loved Sister Mary Nicolay who came to Perth in the late 1880s. Ryan, I'm so pleased you suggested actually that we look at Mary's life. As I was looking into her life, I was really struck by her devotion to the sick and injured, not only here in Perth, but also in South Africa where she served in the medical corps in the Boer War. What piqued your interest in Mary Nicolay? Hi, Iris. I came across Mary in a book about a decade ago, and it spoke about her as being a prominent figure and a, and a, and a nurse. But the part of the story that piqued my interest, as you say, was the fact that it seemed like she would be able to hail down a, tr a tram in Perth anywhere she wanted and get off anywhere she wanted and didn't have to pay for a fee. And that was the extent of how much she was beloved. Yeah, I know it's amazing, isn't it? And we just heard actually recently um, that there are other stories about her. I mean, in some ways it looked like she was just naturally garnering respect, um, but some people described her as being very bossy, I understand, and that she just intimidated the tram drivers into not, letting, <laughs> into not having her pay. But either way, how did she get started? Well, it looks like she was influenced heavily by her father. And just to go back on, on him a little bit, he was quite a progressive. He helped to establish the Queen's College in the UK, which was the first educational institution, further education for women, which was quite progressive at the time. Uh, he was also a clergyman and he came out to Western Australia to take up the residence at Geraldton. And while he was there, it became quite evident that he wasn't necessarily a church type of person. He was actually a very scientific type of person into geology and geography and, and many other sciences. But he went into the life of clergy because he was trying to better the human race through guiding principles and those types of things as well. Um, Mary followed her father out into Perth uh, years later. And it seems that the position of matron at the Perth Colonial Hospital was actually created for her to cater for her in a specific training and that she had had. It was the first time this position was ever offered. And previously, nursing was considered a low-paid kind of menial domestic service position and conditions were generally poor. It was dark and overcrowding and, and filthy. And at this time, the government also wanted to, for the first time, introduce some level of training for nurses, which surprisingly there wasn't before. Well, and of course, her training with Florence Nightingale at, you know, at the St. Thomas's Hospital in the UK really would have held her in good stead for this position, um, I believe, at the Perth Colonial Hospital. Now, that, by the way, has now become, of course, um, Royal Perth Hospital. And that original hospital was really in very poor condition when she arrived. And she really turned that place around. She did. She tore it upside down to some extent. There was no matron's office for her to, to occupy. There were bugs in the bed and there were rats and all sorts of unsanitary conditions that you could possibly expect. And she approached the colonial surgeon about it, saying this isn't good enough. And he unsympathetically uh, replied saying, woman, you must get used to such things. Goodness. And uh, so she went and started burning things that could be burnt to get rid of rats and fleas, as we say. And uh, get it more sanitary. Yeah, and that's really very much of um, 
what Florence Nightingale did. She really brought sanitary conditions to everything. Look, she was coming and doing something different, different to what the hospital was used to. And it seems to me that hospital management at the time was quite unsympathetic. So when I read some excerpts of her letters, uh, this might suggest why the reason that she was unhappy with her position at the hospital, because she tendered her first resignation only after six months in the position. And she wrote the following on July the 1st, 1891. I beg to place before you my resignation. I've tried to work this hospital for six months and have utterly failed. Now, reading those letters, it looks like something or someone must have changed her mind because she withdrew that um, resignation actually two weeks later, but she still couldn't make it work and resigned again on September 22nd, 1891. In the end, she only stayed a year at the hospital until they found a replacement, but this didn't end her nursing career. No, it didn't. She undertook private nursing. Um, she was considered to have, uh, obviously, the best skills in the colony at the time. And so she could charge a premium for her private services. And I believe IRS, you did a bit of a calculation taking into inflation and factors like that. Yeah, I did. I did. It was a bit of fun. Um, she charged 10 guineas a month for midwifery cases and one guinea a day for patients recovering um, from surgery. Now, today, after accounting for inflation, that comes out in, you know, in today's uh, money at about $152 a day, an amount that we would still consider to be um, low pay. Uh, but she didn't actually stay with private nursing, did she? No, she didn't. Um, in 1893, there was an outbreak of smallpox and her training with Florence Nightingale made her the perfect person to head up uh, the quarantine station that was established down at Woodman's Point. And um, the public actually sponsored her and a group of nurses to go to the Boer War in South Africa because at that time, the men in charge of the war effort and government didn't see the, the war zone as a place for women and wouldn't send proper nurses over. So the public actually funded um, Mary and her group of nurses to go over there and treat um, the, the wounded in the war. Yes, look, her devotion to the welfare of the troops led her to losing, in fact, the hospital that she'd actually set up in 1897, three years earlier. And that hospital was in Brisbane Street in North Perth. So we can really see her devotion to country and her desire to serve her country. But, you know, her story also seems to hold a particular relevance to us in these recent times, Ryan. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, she retired in 1917. She was 67, but she came back to public service a couple of years later because something quite monumental was going on and that was the Spanish flu pandemic and Iris as we sit here one and a half meters apart <laughs> with a bottle of hand sanitizer on the on the desk here um, we are going through COVID-19 times and the last time anything was like this was the Spanish flu and obviously her training with Nightingale sanitation etc all the things that we're doing today to try and offset today's virus, she was brought in to head the charge of 100 odd years ago. Yes. Now, look, and despite all of the stories that we hear about her, um, I think she was really a genuinely humble person. And I'd like to share with everyone an excerpt from a newspaper clipping that I found about her from a local Perth paper, which is the Daily News of uh, Saturday, 28th of December, 1929. And the journalist who interviewed her wrote this. In her 80th year now and living in well-earned, comfortable retirement, Sister Nicolet treasures a host of memories, but she's modest of her achievements and a pressman who sought to induce a reminiscent mood found the task impossible. 
Sister Nicolet could not be persuaded under any circumstances to discuss her experiences. The pressman ventured to suggest that these details of her life would greatly interest the public, but her definite answer was that the public did not want to be bothered with anything of the kind. I'm no one, she said, and that was the end of it. So, Ryan, do you have any other lasting images of her? Well, the photos of the day and the description of her in the media describe her as a a lovely plump woman, (laughs) Um, but apparently very distinctive that she had her Florence Nightingale uniform on all the time, even in retirement. And it had a bonnet and ribbons, and it was fastened with a buckle of St. Thomas's, which was a hospital where Florence Nightingale's school was established. Well, I know I'm going to have that image in my mind every single time I pass by Royal Perth Hospital. Ryan, thank you so much for the chat about this wonderful woman. Thanks, Iris. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for joining us in this episode of Untold Stories of Perth, commissioned by the City of Perth. This episode was written and recorded in May 2020 by myself, Iris Vardy, and Ryan Zaknich from Two Feet and a Heartbeat. I look forward to your company in another of our Untold Stories of Perth podcast. Thank you.